What's up, everybody? My name is Langston Clark, and I'm one of your three hosts and professors for the African American in Sport Pod Clash. You just got a little preview of my relationship with Ajane Newton, Keaton, Inez, Anderson. Did I get all your names right? Because you, you got them out of order. I'll do it. Ajane, okay. Chanel, Inez, Keaton. Oh, I thought it was Inez, but it's Inez. Inez. Dang, I've been saying it wrong all these years. And you all know Dr. Alvin Logan. And we have like a slightly new, I won't say we have a new format this year. We have a new guest host. And as me and Alvin and our former co-host, Brandon Coons, have mentioned before that like we come from this interesting brotherhood family of academics who all came from the University of Texas at Austin, had the same cohort of mentors. And if Alvin is my brother, AJ is my little sister in the academy. And so I'm going to let AJ tell her story about how she came to know us and all that stuff before we get started. But Alvin, I'm going to kick it to you. What words do you have to say for our audience as we get started for this season, this semester of the African-Americans in Sport pod class? We back again. That's the biggest thing. It's pretty cool to see enrollment. And it's pretty cool to see people, you know, download and listen to episodes. Really, because that, that was the point, right? We wanted the word to get to people. We wanted them to hear. We wanted them to carry messages, to have conversations beyond and to see possibilities beyond the field for a lot of the folks that we engage with. So I think we're doing that. Matter of fact, I know we're doing that. I'm just excited to be back again. Blessed to be amongst two really great folks. It's a pleasure to see the growth from when we first met each other, as we talked about a bit, to you know where we are now in life journeys, academic journeys, professional journeys. It's just been a blessing. And the listeners get a glimpse of it. I mean, three years, it's, it's a good amount of time, man. Is it three? This is season four? Yes. It, it'll yeah. be three years, brother. No, it's season four. I was four years. We no, already done God. three seasons. This Shh. is season four. Look at me. I'm, I don't want to age myself, but I feel you like... You know, I'm... man. <laughs> so, Dreadlocks, yeah, Dreadlocks yeah. getting longer, my memory getting shorter. Hey, that's how it happens. When them grades start to pop up, that's when it really goes left. Mm. You starting to get a little beard, too. A little connection I... there. I'm trying. I cannot really grow hair on my face. And it's like... I'm trying too, I, but I'm, I I'm see. all on neck beard. So I yeah. see. I can do something about this. Yeah, yeah man. So you're, you're seeing growth. You're seeing maturity. You're seeing just the arc of the pod class. And I'm glad y'all came along for this journey this long and going to continue rocking with us. And before we pass it over to Ajane, Inez, Newton, Keaton, Anderson, Johnson, Jackson, I just want to say that I wore this sweater for a really good reason. And so, Alvin, I don't know if you remember this, but we got this sweater. You got the red one. Yeah. We went to the outlets in grad school at the, what was it, Banana? Was it Banana Republic? Do I need to go get the sweater, too? Maybe you should. The red joint, and I had this one. But anyways, AJ, please introduce yes. yourself to the audience. Hello. Y'all are probably already confused. Ajane, AJ. I go by both. There's no preferred version. I have known these two a very long time. I think I might be this academic family he's talking about. I might be the youngest one or like the last one. Right? No. Did you graduate after Crooms? When did Daniel come in? No, Daniel probably. You and Daniel might be the same age, but he graduated after you, I'm sure. Uh, he came in as I was going to UConn. So we're like the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Daniel and I are like, are both the last then. But anyway, I- right? We can't forget about Jonathan. So Jonathan's kind of, you and jo- Jonathan are kind of the tail end of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yep, yeah. that makes sense. So one of the youngest last ones. I'm a professor currently at the University of Louisville as we record 
the pod class, I'll be transitioning to UMass Amherst. Um, super excited about that. Definitely going to be a different environment going from Louisville, Kentucky to Massachusetts. But yeah, I'm a former basketball player, women's basketball, started playing at the age of three, soccer, softball, basketball, all competitively up until high school, then picked basketball because I don't like to run. So soccer was out, wasn't the best batter. So softball was out. So that's how I actually ended up with basketball. Um, then went on to play in college. I like to say I have that dramatic former Division One experience of going Division One, having a hard instance with the coach, going down to JUCO ball, which I think that JUCO experience is something a lot of people forget. Like I'm a former mm-hmm. JUCO athlete, which is a very, in JUCO in California where there's no scholarships. So just that grind, I think there's definitely a connection from that experience of I don't know if y'all know this, but I was working 5 a.m. I would go work at 24 Hour Fitness, 5 a.m. to 12. Then I would have class 1 to 3. Then I would have practice 5 to 7, go to sleep, get up 5 a.m. to 12 just to get out. So I got out, finished JUCO, had a really good experience, uh, really was able to mature and grow up a lot through that experience and then transitioned to Colorado State, where is where I met one of the familial members, Dr. Bimper. Also met Alvin during that time. He came out to CSU. And then two years later, I was at UT Austin. And then the rest is history from there. Went to UConn. That's when I met Alvin, was at UT Austin. Went to UConn, defended, got the PhD, and took a professor job at the University of Louisville. Two years into the tenure track journey, and now I'm headed to UMass. I got two kids, married, uh, dog, the whole nine. She got a family dream. Yeah. <laughs> and she's going to be tenured too. So we felt like it would be nothing less than appropriate for us to include AJ in the pod class this semester and hopefully in the future, especially since like we've had this commitment since, what was it, with the 50 for 50 series we were doing highlighting Black women yeah. and their roles, their contributions and their like career trajectories in sport outside of sport. And so I think AJ is like going to be an important voice. And y'all need to follow her on Twitter. I'm going to let her shout out her Twitter handle. But AJ's like a heavy hitter on the scholarship. Those of you who are listening and interested in like really making the transition from student athlete to scholar, like AJ is probably between the three of us, the most prolific, if not like on the path to be the most prolific with the scholarship. So I appreciate that. That was so nice. I love it. I love it. She be talking all scholarly too. Like, you know. (laughs) What are the scholarly terms, ways in which she be like? It's, it's actually not ways in which, it should just be how. But <laughs> what I'm saying, like, <laughs> she be pulling out the ways in which. <laughs> writing, writing is an art. So for those that I say, I would never actually saw myself as a writer until probably like the last maybe couple of years where I really was like, there's an art to this. So for those that are interested in academia, I love it. I know a lot of people, there's been a lot of controversies lately. I'm sure y'all saw the Black women that have died from their participation in the Academy. Did y'all see that? Um, But I can genuinely say my experiences have not been as hostile, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But I think there's reasons for why that is. So I also acknowledge that as well. So as we get started to talk about this upcoming season, I think AJ will have an opportunity to talk about her experiences as a Black woman, former student-athlete in the Academy. And I want to get a sense of what the two of you are most excited about and most looking forward to. And I know that 
in our pre-discussions, we had talked about two themes that we want to highlight are the new issues with affirmative action and how that may impact student athletes. And I think the other one was, were we talking about integration or did we choose something else? Help me out. Help me remember. It was, was the affirmative uh, action and integration one. We were talking about like stuff outside of like sports and still, because one of the co or not co one of the guests that I wanted to bring was one of my fraternity brothers, one of my former teammates who now runs like camps and stuff for kids to learn skills, academic and athletic. So like, it's just the entrepreneurship beyond the field. Yeah. And stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had come with. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for that. It's an interesting angle because a lot of athletes take that. You know, a lot of former student athletes are like, you know, what do I do with my skills? I've, you know, built this resume of great training. I've been around great trainers. I continue to work with, you know, athletes in certain, you know, shapes, forms, and fashion. But to monetize that is another thing. To bring those skills, to bring that confidence, to bring what got you to that level to youth, especially, it's energizing for a lot of folks. I'm excited to hear DeAndre's story. He's, uh, like I said, he played in the NFL, played for UW. I was one of his teammates. He's also in my fraternity and just real keyed in um, to youth development, particularly mm -hmm. with the sporting lens and academic lens as well. So I'm excited to pick his brain, really see what he, he can bring to listeners. And that's one of the things that we're picking themes. I was happy we decided there and decided to really go down that path. It's a vast world. Sport is connected in so many different ways and so many different things, but youth empowerment and youth like development, that's how, you know, you get the next generation of scholars and student athletes and folks that sit in our chairs, you know, once we're ready to get into somebody else, you know? So I'm excited about that. I think that's, that's a good, uh, it's a good avenue to go down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ajane, what you most excited about for this upcoming season? I'm excited about the affirmative action stuff we were talking about. I mm. think for me, that's not a space per se my research is really in. But when thinking about, there's been so many changes in higher ed, affirmative action is one of them. But I was listening to the daily New York Times. And, you know, since COVID, a lot of colleges have let go of the SAT. But they were talking about how it's actually been a hindrance to getting black and brown students into colleges yeah. instead of actually helping. And so I'm curious how the Supreme Court case with affirmative action, but also the college admission process, how that's impacting college athletes in general, particularly when we're thinking about, we were just talking about youth development, you know, the pay for play model, we don't get the wreck out the street athlete anymore. Most athletes, parents have some sort of money or connections in some way, or they get connected. So I think as we kind of have this conversation with that transition from youth athletics to high school to maybe college to professional, there hasn't been sound data on like, what is that Black athlete actually looking like now? But I think yeah. visually what I see is usually their family has some sort of access and money to play because there's no way they're just finding them out the hood like, like they used to. That story is pretty dead now. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember going to... Dr. Harrison's office, Dr. Harrison is one of the mentors, one of the fathers, godfathers in this academic family have. This was years ago. And there was a study, it was like ESPN the Magazine or Sports Illustrated. They were looking at basketball players and they were saying it's actually in men's basketball, you're more likely to make it to college basketball or to the NBA being middle class than not. And it's yeah. interesting that you bring that up, AJ, and these tropes about fatherlessness, crackhead mom. Nobody raised me foster care. It's actually not the true narrative. And so interested to see what comes about in those experiences with education K through 12 and economic access and access to higher ed as we go through the semester with the pod class. So, yeah, 
I'm excited about, and so AJ, I'm sorry, I should have told you this before, but one of our academic brothers, Cameron McCoy, mm-hmm. he's not a former Marine. He is actually still a Marine, yeah. right? And Cameron played football at BYU, played cornerback, and yeah. he just released a book called Contested Valor. I think it's Black Marines. No, it's African-American Marines in the Age of Power, Protest, and Tokenism. And so yeah. although that book isn't about, you know, the experiences of Black athletes, we're going to have a sit down with Cameron and talk about his experience and his transition from BYU student athlete, Marine, who saw combat, who decided to go get his PhD in history and look at this interesting history of Black Marines. And so I'm looking forward to that conversation. It's actually going to be live in my house like a week from today. Oh, so okay. We're have a gathering of some. Did go you ahead. post that on LinkedIn? Yeah, I did. Oh, I saw the book. Okay, that's what's yeah. up. Go ahead and reshare that if you can. I appreciate that. I will. I'm going to do it right now. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about it because, you know, one, we get to honor somebody who's in our academic family. And I think, Alvin, I don't know if I shared this with you. I think we got a little sponsor. So Uh I think Uh this would be the first sponsorship partnership with a brand ever. And so I don't know if y'all have heard of, of Ritual Zero Proof, but they make Zero Proof Spirits. So basically, it's non-alcoholic drinks. And yo, just so y'all know, you're not supposed to like buy Ritual Zero Proof, let's say they're whiskey, and just drink the whiskey. It's not meant for you to do that. It's meant for you to actually mix and make the cocktail. And when you follow the recipes, they get really close to the old-fashioned. Do you know what I'm saying? Wait a minute, bro. That's Are like you a getting whole new movement. You getting, you getting broken off right now? No, they didn't give me that. You gave them a whole commercial. No, 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 no. We're not getting broke off like that. They sent me a bottle and they may have a representative come talk. But hey, we got to start somewhere. Okay. You got to start somewhere with the brand deals. But that yeah, is yeah. a generational shift. I just think it's a good fit because, you know, we're talking to student athletes and it's a conversation with military veterans. And so, like, giving options outside of like alcohol is actually something that like would be really good, a really yeah. good partnership for yeah. this event. So, our first live event. Really excited about highlighting one of our academic brothers. And so, yeah, looking forward to that conversation. Absolutely. I got a question. Mm-hmm. On the affirmative action tip, we know I'm student athletes. Particularly, I'm thinking of football right now. So yeah. I'm putting my black male glasses back on right now. Particularly like football. And we talk about affirmative action. And we know how a lot of scholarship athletes get to those schools, right? Without the grades or without the profile that yeah. a traditional student would have, right? Is that going to affect it in any way? Not right now, but it's coming. How? I think it's going to be done at the Ivy League schools first. Interesting. It's going to be done because like, I think somebody was talking about like the numbers and AJ, since you're a super scholar, you probably know this. It's something like whatever percentage of, of players, of people who go to like Ivy League schools, they have so many more sports because that's yeah. the entry point for people who don't have the grades to get in. I mean, they still have high grades, but they don't have Ivy League level grades. I yeah. think it's done. I think it's over. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. But I think within the next five to 10 years, it's done. So it crumbles in the Ivy League first. Yeah. And then does it send a ripple or that's just where it stops? I don't know. I think the public schools are going to change and make it so that there's more access to them anyway, because the population of people that can afford to go to college is dwindling down, right? So the population of the United States is going down. Yeah. So in order for universities to maintain, they have to start letting more people in. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if affirmative action is going to be as necessary as we think it is in terms of being a point of access because universities won't survive without diverse populations of people to go. Yeah. But then I'm also thinking about this other kind of concurrent movement we see with like 
these anti-DEI attacks and bans and right-wing rhetoric about the liberalism of the college, liberalism of universities, and how that's also tethered to this, in my opinion, of mm-hmm. like college attendance. To me, they're promoting not going to college, right? And so mm-hmm. why is that? Why people of color, I'm talking brown, black, yeah. Asian, have seen major increases in college attendance and now college isn't worthwhile. And so yeah. I think I think there's just so much happening, but that's also a part of, of what you're talking about, too. Rich white folk ain't telling their kids that, though. No. No, but that's yeah. not who they're targeting. We know they're targeting lower socioeconomic white folk, yeah. right? And like, yeah. who's actually hearing that message? Because you're right. The people that wanted to go to Harvard 10 years ago, they're still going to go to Harvard. That's right. Yeah. It's just an interesting landscape. Like, unless football breaks off and makes its own intermediate league, which I think is still a possibility, very big possibility. All this conference continue conference realignment. And unless that happens, I don't see it impacting sports because football will be the first to go. Like, uh, brother, hold on. There's some people that you got coming in your team on, you know, LSU's football team. It's like, wait a minute. You know, that 2.3 GPA not going to cut it to get in yeah. there. Yeah. But I don't see that happening just because of the return on the investment, if you will, that they would put into an athlete for them to go to that school. I can't see it unless there's a break off and intermediately, particularly with football, maybe even basketball in some respects, but as you talked about earlier, you know, the highest percentage of folks that are going to go play basketball are those, you know, middle class. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because if that's not touched, we really know what they were trying to get at, the academic piece solely. I think they're going to have to pay players pretty soon. Isn't there already legislation going through? Like, at some point, the players will be employees. I think that's going to happen in the next three years. I hope it does. You say three, I think five. (laughs) You think five? So you like five because I think we have to figure out what Alvin's saying, like, there needs to be separation between the haves and the have-nots. I think what's been interesting is, like, the language from coaches of being like, oh, Saban was tired of dealing with NIL. It was just creating such a headache. And these athletes want to know what they're getting. But, like, I was telling my husband, there's always been a leg up. Like, now it's NIL. Cool. But it was always, we have a barbershop or we have this really big pool or new dorms, or there was always something that was getting better talent. So like, I don't believe the argument that Saban, he's retiring early because of NIL. Alabama always had the best of something. I think NIL has maybe leveled the playing field a little bit more, but there's always been a resource difference to get the best players. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's paying the players now, I'm trying to figure out like, how do you actually go about that with revenue sharing? And then do universities, the major issue, do you want to be liable for an employee? Man, listen, everybody getting, you, people have been breaded out in college football since they were having ringers in the early 1900s when the colonial Mm -hmm. school plan, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's nothing new. This has been happening for decades, eight, nine score, you know what I'm saying? So it's nothing new. And the reason he is leaving, I don't think it's fully. Wait a minute. Did you just say eight, nine score? Did you just say that? Absolutely did. I absolutely did. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's been going on, I just don't think they want the athletes to have a share in anything. And that's why they're like, no, nah, I don't want to deal with this. Same way Dabo Sweeney was like, we don't want to do that. You and know? he's losing. He's losing I'm, bad. Him yeah. not getting the transfer I'm, portal, I'm him not trying to promote her. NIL. Clemson has gone down tremendously. It's a great economic opportunity for athletes all over the place, right? We got some athletes that in the former Pac-12 that, you know, and not just in your revenue earning sports, mm-hmm. but other sports as well. Your softball players, your gymnastics that were doing pretty well off NIL deals, particularly oh. in major cities. 
I'll actually, you know who I might bring on? I'll throw this to you guys. My doc student, Keisha, we're finishing up a study where we looked at Angel Reese's TikTok mm. around the time during the last NCAA Women's uh, March Madness mm. and then up until August. And obviously everyone's familiar with the you can't see me, Caitlin Clark thing. But her brand deals after that skyrocketed. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting about Angel Reese is she does not engage in performing for the white gays. She is authentically Angel Reese from Baltimore. And so we've been studying her TikTok videos and the sounds and her movements. And that study will be in review soon. So, you know, as we're talking about like entrepreneurship and like self-presentation, I might Keisha come on and talk about her study. It's it's really dope. Yeah, it is pretty dope to see. Like you can just be one. One can be oneself. She's hitting called the grizzly. What's the dance? I, I feel like I'm dating myself. Yeah, I'm not with the kids no more. <laughs> the g- <laughs> yeah, you the one on the cusp of Gen Z, so you I, tell. Well, I also got two little kids, so I feel like I put myself back up there with the elder millennials. The, but the the gritty. I'm sure the folks gritty. who know it will. I think it's called the gritty. Yeah. Anyways, but her like authentically, she's talking about wigs and she's just performing her authentic sense of black womanhood in a way that 10, 15 years ago. Hell, when I was playing, they would have said, stop acting like that. You're mm. doing too much. You're too ratchet. Yeah. That's not going to get you a Mercedes Benz. Her acting like that definitely got her a Mercedes Benz. She got a $100,000 car. Sheesh. It's a yeah. very different time. So when we're talking about this NIL landscape, it's definitely, you know, lots of connections to be made to what's going on sociopolitically. Yeah. All right. I think that's a wrap. I think that's a good way to end this introductory episode for season four, semester four of the African-American in Sports Pond class. Thank you, Dr. Ajane, Newton, Keaton, Inez, Anderson, Johns. I know I messed up all your names, but I said them all correctly. Wait, it's Inez, my fault. Inez. There we go. There Inez. we go. And it's no more Newton. Newton's been dropped. Okay. Is it John? I don't know. You got, <laughs> you, you done had 10 names since I've known you. That's why we call you AJ. AJ, thank you for joining us this season. Dr. Logan, A-Lo no. Deuce. Thank you yeah. for joining us. And I'm going to end with this. The episode I'm excited to see is a sit down between Junior, Senior, oh, and Alvin's younger brother, all of whom are very successful Black men because there's a very interesting way that their father raised them to be. Oh, I can't wait for that one. Athletes. So that's what we've been waiting for for two years. So I'm going to challenge you to make that happen. I'll bring him on there, but uh, I don't want, you know, he get to telling them stories. He ain't going to stop, you know, so. That's why you the host. About a two-hour episode. That's <laughs> you gotta pivot. You gotta redirect. You gotta oh, man, yeah. It's different when you're interviewing your father, though. You know, because it's a line between like, all right, I, all right, get to something else, and all right, you're still my son. You know what I mean? So, but it's, it's that's gonna be good. My brother, he's absolute jokes. Yeah. Particularly the two of us with my dad, it's pure comedy, but you could tell that there's a lot of love, there's a lot of growth, there's a, a lot of respect and reverence for how we were raised. Is it just you and him? Mm-hmm. Question before we go, Langston. Did you ever feel like you needed another sibling? Is two siblings good? Just you and a brother? Or you ever like, I, man, I, I wish we had one more sibling? I always wish I had a sister. A sister. Uh, yeah, just because it changes the dynamic of a lot of things. And my mom was the only woman in the house. Yeah, so tell I, me it about it. It definitely changed the dynamic of it. I, do you know? Shoot, my wife knows. <laughs> like, we've always had, like, my cousins were, they live three, four blocks from us, so we always see them, we hang out with each other all the time. My best friend lived four blocks from us. So it was like, you know, I, I had an extended family of, like, gotcha. what's my call siblings, but they were cousins and friends, so 
Love it. Man, two is more than enough. Two is more than enough, man. You got a partner in crime. It's not a big group. That's it. Everybody gets what they want on their birthdays, you know, because you don't have to share with like six, seven people, you know? It was cool. It was cool growing up with two of us. Appreciate it. I think AJ gonna have three personally, but that's it. It's been on my heart and my spirit, but um, these daycare prices, (laughs) y'all, they kind of make the, the choice for you. It's either pay for daycare or get a brand new Porsche GT3. <laughs> That's your payment. It's like I could pay for daycare or I could afford a Mercedes Benz right now. I guess I can't have a Benz. And I guess that's a good point to say, hey, we need some people to support our Patreon for the African Americans in Sport pod class. Because so if you want to support our Patreon, you get access to our live conversations. And we're going to figure some other stuff out too to get to our pages. I haven't looked at it in a long time. So I need to refresh. But shout out, shout out to Danica Carey for being our very first patron in the African American Sport Pod class. So appreciate the two of you and looking forward to our episodes this season. Absolutely. Thank you for joining today's class. If you learned from and like what you heard, please leave a review, give the class five stars, or donate to our Patreon. A link can be found in the show notes.